It is good to confide in the Lord rather than to have confidence in men. It is good to trust in the Lord rather than to trust in princes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This 14th Sunday after Pentecost might well be called the second Sunday of Saint Job, the long-suffering. And this because already last Sunday we began reading the book of Job. Saint Job, the long-suffering. Job is, as you know, a figure and an image of the suffering Christ. And Job is set before us in these first days of the month of September to prepare us in some way for the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross on September 14th. In this way, we live and contemplate the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ in these first weeks of September. Now, this Sunday might also well be called, and rightly called, Divine Providence Sunday. All of the texts given us in Holy Mass are, in some way, an invitation to abandon ourselves, even as Job abandoned himself, to divine providence. Here in the monastery, we pray every day, usually afternoon, the litanies of divine providence, a kind of prolonged contemplation of the providence of God. And with each invocation, we are in some way summoned to make an abandonment of self to the providence of God. Now, today's Mass opens with Psalm 83. And Psalm 83 describes the hospitality of God. One who has experienced the hospitality of God so trusts God that he is compelled to abandon himself to the providence of God. Now, the intro, it begins with the prayer of an abandoned soul. Not abandoned in the sense of forsaken, but the prayer of a soul who has completely entrusted herself to God. And what does such a soul say? Behold, O God, our protector. God, our protector. Protector in Latin means one who puts a roof over the house. It's a very beautiful image. God puts a roof covering over the house. This is the image of the protection of God. God, the roof builder. I find that a lovely image. 
Behold, O God, our protector, and look on the face of thy Christ. You see, the soul who lives in abandonment to divine providence no longer needs to say in her prayer, and look at me, and look at me. Rather, she asks the Father only to look upon the face of his Christ. When the Father looks upon the face of Christ, the head of the mystical body, the spouse of his bride, the church, he sees, in the first case, not only the head, but all the members of his mystical body, and in the second case, looking upon Christ the bridegroom, he sees his bride, the church. And so we say, look on the face of thy Christ. And then this soul who has abandoned herself to the providence of God says, for better is one day in thy courts above thousands. This is in fact the very verse that we sing when we receive a postulate into the monastery. The young man kneels at the threshold of the monastery and he is conducted into the oratory to the chant of Psalm 83. Now, it sometimes happens in the liturgy that the reason for the choice of a given psalm, especially in the introit, is not immediately revealed in the antiphon. One is obliged to go through the whole psalm looking for the verse that motivated the church's choice of that psalm on any given day. And so by giving us Psalm 83 today, at the very beginning of Holy Mass, the church is saying, come on, look at the whole psalm. Discover the verse that commands, if you will, our whole intelligence of the psalm today. And what is it? My heart and my flesh have rejoiced in the living God, for the sparrow hath found herself a house. Divine providence. And the turtle dove, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young ones, the providence of God. Thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. The providence of God prepares a place for us not at some distance, not in some remote location, but in his own abode. And not simply in his own abode, but the psalm says, Thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, O Lord. They shall praise thee forever and ever. 
Blessed are they who have trusted in thy providence. Blessed is the man whose help is from thee. In his heart he hath disposed to ascend by steps, the steps of abandonment to divine providence. One abandons oneself to the providence of God one step at a time. The psalm goes on to say, For better is one day in thy courts above thousands. I would rather be in thy abode, O Lord, than anywhere else. There is no mansion, there is no palace, uh, there is no place so beautiful and comfortable and exquisite that I should prefer it to thy house. And then the psalmist says this astonishing thing. I have chosen to be an abject in the house of my God. In saying house of my God, he's saying in the will of my God. I have chosen to be an abject, a thing cast aside. The psalmist is saying, I would rather be like something cast aside in thy house than someone placed in prominence in the world. Rather than to dwell in the tabernacle of sinners. So we have this psalm of divine providence at the very beginning of the Mass. And then the collect is all about divine providence as well. And of course, when we pray the collect, as I so often explain, we are articulating those sighs and groans by which the Holy Ghost makes perfect intercession for the body of Christ, the Church. We are giving expression to the prayer that God in his providence already desires to answer. This is why we can pray the collect of the day with absolute confidence, saying, this is the prayer that God is just waiting to hear today. And how does the collect begin? It begins with a very tender verb. It's unlike other collects in our Roman tradition that generally begin with a form of address. Deus, or omnipotence et sempiterni Deus. Today's collect doesn't begin that way at all. It begins with this very tender verb, custodi domine. Custodi domine, questus ecclesiam Custodi, keep. Not only keep, but protect. Not only protect, but guard. Not only guard, but hold close. It's a very beautiful verb. And the collect begins with that word. Keep, protect, hold close. We beseech thee, O Lord, thy church with 
perpetual, the translation here says peace, that's not quite it, with uh, a perpetual loving kindness, an unfailing devotion, because the Latin word pietas, uh, this, this propitiatio that we have in the collect, derives from pietas, and pietas is that fatherly virtue by which a man says to his son, son, there is nothing I would not do for you. That's pietas. That's paternal pietas. There's also filial pietas. When the son says to the father, father, there is nothing I would not do for you. So pietas is the utter devotedness of a father for his child. And, and we're asking in this collect God to keep, to protect, to guard, to hold the church close to his heart with an unfailing fatherly devotedness. And then the Roman rite is wonderfully realistic. Always takes account of man's infirmity. This is one of the very comforting things about the Roman Rite. There's always an allusion to our infirmity, to our weakness, to our brokenness. And so too in this collet. And because the frailty of man without thee cannot but fall. That's realism. That's a bracing, sound realism. And of course, it sets the stage for the petition. Because the frailty of man... And when we pray these collects, don't let the phrases of the prayer float above you somewhere. We have to learn to bring them home. I find it very helpful to take the collect of the day and to pray it in the first person singular becomes very immediate and very real. When I say, uh, because my frailty, my frailty, without thee cannot but fall. The prayer goes on to say, keep us ever by thy help. It's a double petition, a double petition of the collect. Keep us ever by thy help first from all things hurtful. Anoxis, from noxious things. Poisonous things. Harmful things. And, oh it ends on this beautiful phrase. Uh, et ad salutaria. And lead us to all things that make for our health. Health of mind and body. The salutaria are all of the things that make for our health. That contribute to our wholeness. It's an extraordinary comment today. I shall just mention that in the epistle uh, 
the Apostle enumerates for us the fruits of the Holy Ghost. I just make a footnote of that. And then, in the gradual, we have the profession of one who has abandoned himself to the providence of God. And what does he say? Bonum est! It is good to confide in the Lord, to entrust oneself to fiducia, affidarsi, it's a beautiful word, to entrust oneself, to abandon oneself. It is good to confide in the Lord rather than to have confidence in men. The man who puts his confidence in other men will always come out disappointed. The man who puts his confidence in God will never be disappointed. And this, of course, is why uh, today having Job uh, so much in view, uh, the gradual today is a kind of summary of the whole uh, mystery that is played out in the life of Job. It is good to trust in the Lord rather than to trust in princes. Princes meaning powerful people, influential people. This uh, gradual says, don't be political. Don't play that game. Rather, Abandon yourself to the Lord. And of course the whole gospel uh, is about divine providence and abandonment to divine providence. It closes with these comforting words of Jesus. Be not solicitous therefore. It's almost... um, an echo here in St. Matthew of what Jesus says to Martha in the Gospel according to St. Luke. Martha, Martha. And he said it, I think, with a sigh. Why art thou so preoccupied with many things? But in today's Gospel he says, Be not solicitous, therefore, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? The very preoccupations that so troubled St. Martha on a certain day. Be not solicitous, therefore, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the heathen seek. The world is forever running after these things. Restaurants and holidays and fashion parades. The world is still in a mad course after all of these things. And do they make one happy? Not at all. Not at all. And so our Lord says, For your Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Seek ye therefore first the kingdom of God. Now this is the very phrase that is going to be repeated in the communion antiphon. And this is part of the pedagogy of the sacred liturgy. That very often the communion
Gideon antiphon is a fragment of the gospel of the day or an allusion in some way to the gospel of the day. And so, seek ye therefore first the kingdom of God and his justice. The justice of God, the rightness of God. God who does all things well. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the offertory antiphon today, and we shall sing it in just a few moments, is a word of reassurance to the soul who would abandon herself to the providence of God. What will we sing in the offertory antiphon? The angel of the Lord shall encamp round about them that fear him and shall deliver them. To fear the Lord is to be so aware that the Lord is God, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. Think of, of the prophet Elias on Mount Carmel. This, this awareness of God. And God sends his angel to keep guard around them that fear him and shall deliver them, rescue them from their trouble. Of course, if you look at the story of Job, this offertory antiphon comes to light, doesn't it? It's a kind of commentary on the whole story of Job. But it ends with this. Gustate et videte, quoniam suavis est dominus. O taste and see that the Lord is sweet. O taste and see. This is an extraordinary use of this verse of Psalm 33. It is, in fact, the oldest known communion antiphon in the liturgy. But it's not used here as a communion antiphon. It's used at the offertory of the Mass. As the bread is placed on the corporal in view of the sacrifice, and wine mixed with a drop of water poured into the chalice, and as the chalice is then placed on the corporal, in anticipation of what is to follow, we sing, O taste and see that the Lord is sweet. And then the communion antiphon comes, repeating the words of Jesus in the gospel. Seek first the kingdom of God. How do we effectively seek first the kingdom of God? By presenting ourselves for Holy Communion. By presenting ourselves for Holy Communion. Because Holy Communion is the fulfillment of what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, divine providence. And there is a variant of the text that would have us say, give us this day our super substantial bread. Our super substantial bread. And that word uh, corresponds to the O taste and see that the Lord is sweet of the offertory antiphon. Seek first the kingdom of God means to seek what God has prepared in this sacred banquet. 
the adorable and life-giving body of his Son. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added unto you. One who receives Christ, one who approaches to receive the body of Christ in the adorable sacrament of the altar, receives all else. And so, the uh, supreme, if you will, act of abandonment to divine providence is, in some way, the reception of Holy Communion. That reception of Holy Communion is an act by which one gives oneself in complete abandonment to the God who under the species of a little fragile piece of bread gives himself entirely to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son 